0: Welcome to the Attentive Heart Podcast, where we explore how an integration of mind, body, and spirit make us whole and enable us to become more compassionate to ourselves and to others. I'm your host, John Grubowich. My guest is Dave Plisky, and while I've spent some time interviewing Dave before, today we have a a different type of setup. Dave is going to be taking some time to interview me, ask me some different questions. Uh, so Dave, I'm just going to hand it over to you. But before we begin, maybe you could just remind us who you are, what you do, and uh, if you want to give us any of your background.
1: Sure. Um, so Dave Plisky, like you said, by the way, very happy to be here, happy to be back. Thank you for having me. Um, I am the Director of Product and Innovation at DeSales Media. Uh, It's a ministry of the Catholic Church based in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, my particular area brings, kind of modernizes church communications technology uh, for parishes, dioceses, uh, ministries, and schools. I am a very happily married man. I live uh, in a small town in Connecticut with my wife, um, who is Amazing. I spend a lot of time with her. You asked me how I spend my time. <laughs> I'm glad you spent a lot of time with your wife. That's a good thing. That's yeah, great. it is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's, uh, you know, I, I do the the usual simple things, you know. Um, so try to, try to be involved in my faith, uh, try to do, you know, reading. We like to play board games. Watch shows sometimes. You, know. you do have a whole room devoted to board game. Yeah, games. yeah, I'm a board game guy. I, it's a pretty, it's, epic. A it's pretty epic. It's pretty epic.
0: Some people have libraries. You have shelves of board games. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right. Anyway, so, so what,
1: what are we talking about today, Dave? Today we're talking about you. Oh, wow. Today we're talking about you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like you said, we're going to flip the script. Why don't you tell me um, about your early childhood and just, you know, growing up. Well, my
0: early childhood. Okay, um I think that I could say that I was born in an extremely loving environment. I had one of the great gifts of having uh two parents who uh for all intents and purposes I think uh, revealed to me such unconditional love. Uh and that coupled with growing up Catholic, uh I felt that that love was an extension of God's love for me. So I had a very positive experience growing up as a Catholic. Uh, this is in you know the early 80s and um uh you know i also often hear so many horror stories of people having uh, a very difficult time uh, being exposed to church things when they're young but it was the complete opposite for me i i enjoyed being a part of the catholic school i was in the parish Uh, it's where i was exposed to so many things that make up i guess what we say the richness of the catholic faith from um from music and liturgy to um just learning about the different saints and other people and figures of the church and uh, also just kind of coming to a place of knowing that this was a a home that there, there was something about um the church that was very much me kind of always coming back to a place of comfort and i realized that that was a very very unique experience because even people who i was Friends with, and I still am, um, and other people who grew up during the same time period, I, very few of them would say that. Um, and, and I think also, too, I was very blessed as I got a little bit older to see the other dimensions of the church in actions, particularly the social justice dimension of the church. I mean, looking um, at you know how the church was interacting with the poor and with the marginalized, and especially my time in high school, and being exposed to the Franciscan ministries in Philadelphia and working with the poor on the streets. Um, and then also with the um, liturgical, spiritual things that were happening at the time with the charismatic renewal, I had a very positive experience with that. Um, and all these things were just all kind of brought into my awareness of what it meant to be Catholic. And that was a beautiful thing because I didn't really pit things against each other within the church. Uh, and I still feel that way today and i think it's only because i've had a strong foundation that way so even like in the so-called liturgical wars that we have i mean i was at masses that had contemporary music uh, you know the the folk music which i thought was to me helping me to see and encounter the love of god and i of course have been at very rich masses with traditional music that i think also um, revealed to me um, the very depth and profound mystery of god as well so I, I I just took it all in, and I think that, that, that once again, I have to say, talking to other people and meeting more people, it was a rarity, so I just kind of think that it was all just a profound gift, and I'm thankful for that gift. Um, so I guess that might be a little bit about my childhood, and especially my experience with the church.
1: Which came first, the folk music at Mass or your love for Dylan?
0: <laughs> well i that's a great question i mean i don't think i would have been interested in playing guitar if it wasn't for the folk music at mass that's what, what got me first into music and um i always kind of look at that as being a a launch pad into learning so much about music such as like dylan so i think the folk music at mass preceded my love for dylan but i completely see how they're related, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very beautiful thing, by the
1: way. (laughs) I know you do. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, one of my favorite memories is uh, of going to see Bob Dylan live with you. And really <laughs> watching you more than Dylan, just because that was the experience. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like,
0: you know, as I've gotten older, too, I'm thinking, you know, my my experiences at church are not nearly as profound as my experiences at a Dylan show. <laughs> but, you know, like, I almost feel as if I had to have had these experiences at church of the mystery of what's happening there for me to, to be able to grasp the profound mystery of how God is
1: present at a Dylan show, which
0: yeah. God is, because God has good taste.
1: Truly profound. So you talked <laughs> a lot about your ca- your Catholic faith, um, yeah. but tell me more about um, your relationship with God. So, you know, did you, when did you first know God was real? Yeah, that's a
0: really good question. I mean, I think that there was a sense that I always knew that God was real, but almost in the same sense that you would think that Santa Claus is real, right? I mean, like it comes through stories. It just comes from being told that this is what happens, uh, that there's a God who loves you, there's a God who made everything, he made you. Uh, so it's like part of like the, the almost like the tale of what you're told. And you kind of, as a child, you kind of just accept it on surface level. Um, and there was no reason for me to ever really doubt that early in my life because I never ex- did not experience some type of compassion and and love that came through people in my life. But I would say, by the time I was in high school, and I was trying to really take the whole faith thing more seriously, and I think that came primarily because at that point in my life, I was so active in the parish. I was doing so many different things, altar serving, um, and and even running things within the, within the parish, um, that it led me down the path of um, trying to uh, experience more about the spiritual aspect of God through the charismatic renewal. So I think that that really was the first time that I could say that, oh, the whole God thing was not just something in my head. It was not just a nice idea. It was not just something I even paid lip service to. The The charismatic renewal for me made God very real because the gifts that came through the spirit that I experienced, I could not question. I mean, they weren't just wrapped up in emotion. I, I. I I had always been, I think, a very emotional person, so I kind of knew what that felt like. But there was somehow a breaking into my soul, I would say in high school, uh, that was connected to um, different experiences experiences of charismatic prayer that made um, the whole God thing extremely real. And that was also very much connected to the Eucharist, too, because... um, That's where I specifically felt I was experiencing uh, the presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ. So it was all kind of coming together. And it was at a youth conference in Steubenville, Ohio, and I think it was 90, I want to say it was 96, maybe around that time, 1996. I think I was maybe a junior in high school. Uh, That's when I really felt this kind of strong outpouring of the Spirit Love, mercy, compassion. and it was all very much connected to the Eucharist, too. So I found that to be a great source because I could see tangibly where things were coming from. So it was very Eucharistic based, and it was the Spirit revealing um, his love for me uh, through the Eucharistic moment. Let's put it that way.
1: You talk about the charismatic renewal. I'm not sure if everyone knows about much about that. Could you could you tell us more? About sure.
0: Yeah, cuz we don't about. yeah, cuz we don't really hear too much about it anymore. I mean, it's not been kind of really discussed, but you know, after the Second Vatican Council, there were a lot of different kind of movements that were kind of picking up steam. Uh we think about different ecumenical movements that start to happen after the Second Vatican Council. Um there was a lot more awareness of social justice. Um, but the charismatic renewal was about looking at the New Testament and seeing that when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples at Pentecost, it enabled them to do things that were supernatural really. I mean we hear about the the speaking in tongues you know where they're all able to understand themselves um, because there's a, a language that they all are able to hear that comes from you know a, a place that that, that was bypassing, in a certain sense, their own personal knowledge of language and things like that. So there's the the, the ton, this whole experience of, of praying and, and speaking in tongues. There's also this experience of, of prophetic words that would come from a place that were, you know, that once again just seemed to almost bypass the personal intellect. Um, there was experiences of joy um, that would manifest itself in, in the gift of tears, um, there were all these things that I think a lot of people could look at and say, well, this is all just hyper emotionalism. And granted, I mean, when you're dealing with something like that, yeah, there's a lot of that kind of stuff happening. But I, you know, I think I was blessed to be able to realize that there was something profound going on there because it bore fruit in my life. Um, it was bringing me closer into the love of God, it was bringing me more peace. Um, And I should also kind of say this all happened right after, and this is like a profound piece of the puzzle here, so to speak, too. This all happened right after my mom died in a car accident when I was 15. So, you know, I was in a very vulnerable state to begin with. So, uh, yeah, I I definitely was open. My heart was open in a different way at that point. And yeah, I could totally understand that some would say, "Well, I mean, when when you're in that type of place of vulnerability, anything goes and anything seems to be kind of comforting." And I would agree with that, but if I'm still talking about this now twenty five plus years later, um, and I still look at that as being a profound inbreaking of God's love for me, I have to think that it's bored fruit, and it's and I don't feel as if I'm the same way I was 25 years ago, like being freshly anointed with all these charismatic gifts. Um, I I, I clearly, I, I don't feel the same way because I think things have been integrated differently over the the years. And I, and I, I, and I've gone deeper, I think, in lots of ways in my spiritual life, but, but I I can't not think that um, what happened there was real. And so I hope that maybe that might kind of at least give some type of more of an impression of what this whole charismatic renewal thing is all about.
1: Mm-hmm. That's helpful. Um, so, okay, we're we're you're you're understanding God's love for you in high school. You're 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 deepening your faith in that lens. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not a guy who goes straight into the priesthood or even in the seminary after, after high school. So what, what happens next?
0: Well, that's so interesting because I actually felt called to be a priest probably when I was in first grade. So I had a—I I don't know how I would describe that at that time, but there was some type of, if anything, superficial attraction to the priesthood, meaning just fascinated with what the priest was doing in church and um, somehow taken by that whole thing. Of that the priests got to do these unique things. So, And, and it was interesting because my parents recognized it too and other people in my life, adults in my life, recognized it. And they were very supportive of it too. But they also were really not like jumping on it either, thinking like, oh my gosh, this is your destiny. They, they liked the fact I was open to it, but they also gave me a lot of breathing space um, to see exactly how that was going to, work itself out and by the time i was in high school and this is this is really how 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 god works in such mysterious ways so here i am you know my mom dies i'm then i'm getting exposed to the charismatic renewal which was really because i was in a relationship with a girl in high school whose parents and herself are the ones who kind of led me into that renewal into the charismatic renewal so it was through a relationship um, that I was brought into that. And I was uh, thinking that, okay, well, I guess my life is going down a different path. I mean, um, this whole idea of wanting me to be a priest, which by the way, was completely on the radar throughout all of grade school. So like I said, first grade, it was in eighth grade, I was still thinking I was going to become a priest. So all through grade school, I I felt called to be a priest. Mm-hmm. Um, but this deepening in my personal experience of God came through a relationship with this girl. And uh, to this day, I'm just tremendously blessed by being able to have that. And like I said, I did think that my life was going to go down that path, but um, as I went through college, I was realizing that, no, there's something a little bit more to this vocation to the priesthood that's not been you know put away yet and uh i did go to the seminary about a year after college
1: well, well let me let me stop you right there what do you mean sure. by there's something more that had not been put away yet I...
0: well i think that you know as much as i may have written off the whole drawing to the priesthood as being just some type of childhood fantasy that, Is that there was something
1: that happened during high school Maybe because like during this relationship with the girl <laughs>
0: yeah i but i don't know i know i think in high school i was definitely thinking that okay the priesthood is kind of done like i think i'm gonna I'm, I'm on the path to get married
1: okay no. okay so But by the Catholic, time but the but the, but the, the time i was
0: thought. in by the time i was in high school things changed because at in i'm sorry by the time i was in college things changed because that's when i actually start to get more into the intellectual side of the of the of the theological tradition Okay. So I was I was studying theology. In? I was uh-huh. majoring history and majoring in, in theology. It was a double major. Okay. Mm-hmm. A- and it was going deeper there intellectually, um, and then also continuing this spiritual dive that was brought on by this whole charismatic thing, and also having a hand in this time in the social justice thing with working with the poor. I mean, all these things were all firing. You know, so I, so everything was kind of firing. For me, I you know I had this spiritual thing that was happening. You know, I was uh, feeding my soul, my body, so to speak, even with with throwing myself into working with the poor. And then the whole mind thing, the whole intellectual tradition, was becoming a very real thing. So like it was mind, body, spirit, all happening uh, in college. So college was a prof- really profound time for me. And and it was at that point I was realizing that. Oh, the draw to priesthood early in my life was not just simply um like I said, like a childhood fantasy or just something like you know when i when i when I grow up, I want to be you know whatever x y z it was it was like oh there there might be more to this,
1: okay, so is that now? would you go into seminary the first time?
0: Yeah, I went to the seminary um a year after college, so I worked for a year in a catholic high school teaching history or no i was teaching theology i'm sorry teaching theology and at that point i had broken up with this girl and i was because i was primarily conflicted about you know the priesthood like it was it was it was so much you know on my on my mind so i was like well i have to somehow if anything at least try to to, to, to resolve this by going to the seminary
1: yeah see if it's real mm-hmm.
0: and i only lasted a semester
1: okay you know i only lost a semester Uh yeah so
0: i so i left the the seminary and i was thinking i think i'm supposed to be back with this girl (laughs) and so i tried to get back with her and if from what i remember i mean we we kind of were together but things had already been kind of strained you know and and i i blame myself for dating
1: a guy who thinks he's supposed to be a priest yeah yeah yeah, i I mean yeah
0: i mean i blame myself for for not really being I mean, for just being all over the map at that time. I mean, it was just terribly unfair, too. I mean, you know, but I I mean.
1: But I don't think you were doing anything, uh, you know, obviously intentionally against her. You you were figuring out your vocation. This is a major thing. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But I mean. just happened to be in a bad place, you know.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, but, you know, when you're trying to figure out your own vocation and you're involving another person with it, you still can't excuse yourself from just thinking that somehow you're. Yeah. Just kind of free to do whatever you want to do. I mean, you know, you you do affect the emotions and 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 other sure. and other people's you know things. And, and and you know, there's one thing about figuring out your vocation. There's another thing about being selfishly doing it too. I mean, I and I you know, I mean, as we're younger, you know, we all struggle with with selfishness. Well, we struggle with with selfishness all the time. But I mean, there's this this there there seems to still be such of an emphasis on. The ego, like, because you're just so. I mean, as 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 good as this whole encounter with God is, you start to think like, oh, well. God thinks I'm special, and therefore He has a special plan for me, and you know, therefore I got to make sure I do it, and I got to do the plan right, and so it it the whole thing becomes so me centered, (laughs) which is so ironic because of the fact that it's you've had this other kind of centered experience with God so you're just you're you're trying to work it out but I do think that even when you're working it out you're affecting people around you you are hurting people yeah clearly not intentional but I mean it's just the it's what happens with being young it's what happens with being not fully integrated into a relationship with God and what that looks like so I mean yeah these things happen right I mean but they're you know I, I pray each day that I can somehow still um, be healed from those times and and allow healing to help those people who I've affected at those times, you know because right. it it is real
1: right, so take us through now the rest of you know bring us up to speed so you you end up going back to teaching, I think you also going go back to learning right formally a few times,
0: yeah, I mean, I went back to teaching at the same high school that I taught the year after I graduated from. College and I ended up staying there for probably about another six or seven years or so, and um, and I and I went on to get my master's in theology part time as I was teaching, so uh, and I was doing it at the seminary that I was studying at. So they had a, a lay division, and so I got my master's, my MA in theology as a lay person.
1: Couldn't quite stay teaching. away. Uh-huh.
0: No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it took me. A, a, I think I, I waited a year before I went back. Because I thought, like, oh well,
1: I don't want to jump back into that environment too soon. Because if I'm this girl, you know, I'm not. I'm like, this is not exactly convincing, John. Like, (laughs) Like, so you're not going to be a priest, (laughs) but you are going back to that seminary to continue to learn about theology.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. I I don't think that that whole once I left the seminary and we kind of got back to, I don't think it lasted very long. I think I forget. Maybe Sorry, I didn't mean to
1: keep bringing it back to that. No, 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 little... no, but I don't think it
0: lasted too long. Maybe about a year or two. Okay. I don't think any more than two years. I mean, All she right. then got married, and uh, and, I, and I don't remember actually when that was, to tell you the truth.
1: But, okay. So but, you get your master's um, in theology uh, back at the seminary. You're teaching mm-hmm. um, theology and history, I guess, at right, at that high school? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, remember... I was primarily teaching theology, I think, yeah. And then what happens?
0: Well, I kind of got to a point in my life. I remember when I turned twenty seven. It was like a bit, like you know, everyone has like a a, a year when they, like a mm-hmm. birthday that really hits them. Twenty seven yeah. was the one that hit me, okay. <laughs> and I think it hit me because I was like, oh, like I, I'm I'm no longer like college age. <laughs> like I still <laughs> felt like your twenties was just kind of like a, an extension of college yeah. fun, you know. Yeah. And
1: well, I think twenty seven is significant for a lot of people because this is like this is late twenties. You are, you are a lot closer to 30 than you are to, you know, being a teenager anymore.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so 27 was a big year for me. So I was like, Oh crap. I mean, like I feel like I really, cause I didn't feel settled with my life. Yeah. I, I had a career teaching and I could have just stayed teaching there, but you know, I wasn't, I didn't really feel like I was supposed to go back to the seminary necessarily. I was kind of dating here and there. Um, I had some really strong romantic interests that were very, very brief, but, you know, so I I, I felt like, okay, I, I don't feel called to necessarily go back to the seminary, but these relationships, I get all excited about them, and then they kind of just fall apart very quickly, so it was confusing, a very confusing time for me, and I think that's when I was like, okay, I got to, I got to just put myself out there and do something different. So I think it was around that time that I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to move to New York city. <laughs> Cause what do you do when you're trying to like, you know, figure out life, you go, you move to New York. So I, mean, I
1: literally did that exact thing <laughs> almost at that exact age. So I do yeah. get it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that's what, that's what it all came down to. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to move to New York. And I didn't have a game plan at all. So like I quit my job and I was like, okay, my only plan is to move to New York. And I didn't have a place to stay. I didn't have a place to work. Um, so I'm kind of sleeping like just in places, wherever I can find a place to stay. I, and a lot of times there were rectories and things like that, <laughs> you know, so I was always kind of keeping my hand connected to church things. Cause I thought that, well, I'm a single guy. So a lot of, you know, there's a possibility I could still be a priest. So, I'm like, you know, just finding places to stay in New York. And then I eventually find a job working at a bookstore in Greenwich Village, which did not pay very well, but at least gave me some type of consistency. And it gave me the ability to meet people. So I met someone who was a regular customer who gave me a connection to someone who worked at the Museum of the City of New York. And I ended up getting a job there working in the development office, which I was totally unqualified to do like there was I cannot
1: imagine you asking people for money on a day-to-day basis
0: (laughs) well the good thing was that um I was in the membership department which was a little bit nicer because I kind of liked the sense of community and like you know getting bringing people together so the membership department was kind of more like that I was not like in like asking big donors for big amounts of money or something like that Uh, But it was cool. So, you know, here I got this job working in the Upper East Side, and I was living deep in Brooklyn in Bensonhurst, taking the subway to work every day. And uh, I was really kind of enjoying this new type of rhythm of my life. It was different than teaching. Um, You know, it was more or less a nine-to-five type of job. Although people in New York would show up whenever in the morning, and then they would work till whenever. So I had to get used to the fact that, you know, um, you either had to kind of you you had to kind of detach yourself from feeling that the longer you work, the more productive you're being, because that was almost like the the culture there, you know. But mm-hmm. um, but you know, it was a great learning experience. Fell in love with someone who I worked with there too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was interesting. <laughs> So um,
1: you're doing a lot of loving and being loved. Hey, you
0: know, that's how it is. You know, I'm a lover, not a fighter. So, yeah, and uh, I enjoyed all that. But then I went back to school again during that time and I decided to study uh, art history uh, because I had a love for art that goes back to my time in college i had a class in art history and i remember very distinctly studying art history and then during my spring breaks going down to museums in philadelphia and just checking out this different stuff that we were studying because it was primarily american art that i was studying at the time and and so for some reason i was like yeah that's what i want to do i want to i want to study art (laughs) so i got into a program at pratt institute in brooklyn and um I kind of did that for full time for about a year or two, I guess it was. And then I studied abroad in Venice uh, for a summer. Um, and it was that experience in Venice. So this is the summer of 2009, 2009. That's when I, it, it kind of hit me again. You know, I was there uh, walking along a canal, probably after getting out of a bar or something like that. And I was just like, you know, I was looking at some church and was this, one of these big old Baroque churches. And I was like, you know, I'm just not going to be happy with my life unless I'm a priest. <laughs> that's, that's what it's wow. basically came to. It's like, I'm just not going to be happy. I mean, I'm just not going to be happy doing anything else unless I'm a priest. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Attentive Heart Podcast. We hope that you were able to find it helpful in your spiritual journey and practice. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Sunday to Sunday Productions and The Witness podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and check